Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What is the best Whoopi Goldberg film? You're not going to like my answer because she's not a nun in this, but... Um... <gasps> Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, the podcast that asks, whose fault is it that you're gay? It is me, Eric Williams, and this week is a different type of episode where I interview my dear friend Charles, who is the person guiding me through my recent psychedelic trips. Now, if you don't know, or if you haven't heard me talk about this, uh, Charles is a friend who is not only incredibly successful in his career, which he goes into a little bit, but he has formed this process with the psilocybin shroomy moment that is unreal asking for your favorite music your favorite food and curating this unreal experience and i once he agreed to come on the podcast i was so fucking excited to have you listen to this now we of course discussed not only how charles got into guiding people but also what i got from my recent trip and if you're interested in trying it what that might look like for you with charles or someone else I have to say, y'all, the tickets are on sale for That's a Gay-Ass Live show in LA. It's on September 14th. And if you missed it on the Instagram, the lineup is just delicious. Danny Franzese, who played Damien and Mean Girls. We've got Jason Michael Snow from the original Book of Mormon cast. And we have Tian Tran from How I Met Your Father with Hilary Duff. Also, podcast favorite Meatball, the perfectly chaotic drag queen and co-host of sloppy seconds is doing the show and we've already sold over a third of the tickets in the first day sayer it's gonna be sexy it's gonna be fun and you want to get them before they sell out big apologies to the new yorkers the tickets were supposed to go on sale for the new york show but uh then the uh organization push the announcement to two weeks from now. So stay tuned, New Yorkers, but those tickets and a lineup will be announced in September. Because this episode is a little bit different from our usual suspects, I want to let you know what to expect. We asked the famous podcast question around the 30-minute mark for whose fault is it that you're gay? The first half goes into Charles's journey with the Silasai, my journey, and of course at the end, he gives you a very good example of what happens during the trip itself. So let's get into the episode. As always, DM me your thoughts about this episode. My Instagram is at Eric Wills, E-R-I-C-W-I-L-L-Z. And just, I like when people slip into my DMs in any way. I love you. Enjoy this voyage. 
lot of people who listen to the pod know that my journey to LA has been great for many reasons. One, because I've met people like you, Charles. I mean uh-huh. that from the bottom of my gay ass heart. You're just like such a good friend and you have so much sage wisdom, but also you can just dance at a gay bar. And that's what I love in a friend. And let's tell let's tell the girlies how do we know each other what what's the story we tell people when it's not that we met in a dark room at the back of a club but that's the truth <laughs> were you wait was, <laughs> did you find me on my knees back or head uh you were vertical you were okay. standing on your you were standing on your feet uh it was the back of your head but we were introduced uh by a mutual friend at akbar and we um, our dear dear friend one of my oldest friends and somebody you've known both both of us know from New York. Yeah. And he had moved here with his partner after the pandemic. And he and I started going out. And mm-hmm. I was also kind of a bit of a shut in during the pandemic, went through a breakup. And so reconnecting with him was really good for me to like, you know, have somebody to kind of like go out with and be social with. And we were out. How long had you been um how long had you reconnected with our friend until I mean to say his fucking name? How long how yeah. long had you re- reconnected with Henry before we had met? Had you been going out for like months or was this like No, I want to say like this was mid 2022. So it's like 2021 was kind of like a social wash. Like you were still yeah. kind of like getting back on the bicycle and learning how to ride again, you know, like yeah. testing the waters. And then 2022, I would say was really when I I was actively social and I think and I'm sure for a lot of people, like, you know, coming out of that almost two years of being indoors um, and isolated, uh, my social groups had changed. So mm-hmm. a lot of people had either moved away um, on the heterosexual side of things, started families. And so mm-hmm. I was seeing the people I knew less and less. And I was like, oh, like my social network shrunk and I'm not from the West coast. I'm from the East coast. So I have a bigger, you know, kind of initial base on the East coast than here. And so I had to kind of start over and it was great when I reconnected with Henry out here because we've known each other almost 20 years and, and he's very, very social. So that really helped me make a plan and like literally get up off the sofa and go out and do something and, and, and always, you know, he's great about talking to strangers. And so that's something that's helped me, um, you know, in meeting people. That's how we met. He, you know, saw you and and then we started talking and you're very outgoing. You'll talk to anybody. And so that was helpful for me because I was like, oh, that guy's cute. And, and you like walk over and be like, oh, my friend thinks you're cute. Like, and then like all of a sudden. Wait, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Did I think, did I say you were cute or did you say no, I was cute? No, no. I'm talking about a third party here. So like you're Fuck. very social. <laughs> I was just fishing for you to say you thought I was cute. Of course you're adorable, but also married. And so I was like in my own brain, like thinking like I want my own man. So I wasn't like thinking, you know, beyond that. Let me destroy this marriage. Um, well, <laughs> I think when I first met you, I just, I, I knew that you were a good girly, but I didn't think that we'd become so close. And I'm thrilled that we have, which is why you're, we're here this week to talk about the psychedelic experience that you've now taken me through twice. And mm-hmm. I've told, you know, through many episodes in the past, like how much it has changed me. And I thought it'd be really exciting to get into my actual journey because it's brought up a lot of stuff, obviously, is like, with my gayness and with the shame and the neuroses so before obviously we talk about like what my experience was when you guided me through these trips 
I actually don't really know your villain origin story when it comes to the psychedels. Like, when did you first go through a trip and then get to the point where you're like, oh, I can actually guide people in, spoiler, a really gorgeous way? Mm, um, yeah, so since you invoked villain origin, uh, yeah. my spirit animal is Ursula. So thank you for that. Um, and we'll come back to her in a minute, but I, so I mentioned before I went through a really awful breakup mm. and it was my first serious relationship where I lived with the person and then we were living together. And then many months after moving in, the pandemic started and then we were just together full time for a year. And that really kind of like brought everything to the surface in terms of communication and learning how to express myself and understand what my needs were. And I didn't really have a lot of those tools because I hadn't done it before. Mm-hmm. When we broke up, I called it off because I kind of realized like, I was doing all this work and just feeling really badly about myself. And it just wasn't Mm going to work for me because this person wasn't showing up for me in the way that I needed. And when I called it off, I received the kind of brunt of the blame. And that was really, really challenging for me Mm. to kind of like process. I was like, wait, why am I? I I thought I, I was doing everything. I was putting everything into this. I really love him. I really like worked my ass off to make him feel good about himself and make sure he had everything he needed. And then somehow the finger was pointed at me that I had made all these mistakes and done all these things wrong. And um, so it, it kind of set me sideways and, and, and into my head. I kind of like started, I felt myself starting to shut down. And so I started um, therapy, talk therapy, and then through my best friend, uh, or one of my other best friends, I should say, I was introduced to uh, psychedelic therapy secondhand through a psychiatrist. So uh, she practices plant medicine, and mm-hmm. she had guided him because he was dealing with some some similar issues, not on the romantic side, but just like in terms of professional issues and just self esteem issues, and so. I saw him changing, like just in, it was like you see the person one day and then the next day they're like a completely different human. It was just, it was truly mind blowing. Like I, oh, fuck I, I was like, I was, I, I couldn't believe it because I had known yeah. this person for the better part of a decade and all of a sudden I had a new friend. And so I started asking questions and we have birthdays that are four days apart. And so three months later, we went out to uh, the desert, uh, you know, Cathedral City. We we got a really cute Airbnb with a backyard, brought my dog, and we did a ceremony with psilocybin mushrooms. And I had never done this before, but I trusted him with my life. And he had a very light touch. You know, we didn't really do a lot of pre prep work in terms of what we'll get into later, which is setting an intention. We just kind of like let the plant do all the work and yeah. I just kind of like gave over to the experience because I felt so stuck. And I was like, yeah. I, I just need to do something. I need to shake something up. Therapy's starting to help me a little bit, but I just am somebody who sometimes needs to move a little faster. I needed yeah. some, I needed a kickstart. I needed like a, a real kick in my ass. And this was that. And so just, you know, the next day, like I kind of, after this experience, I just felt different. I just felt like a shift. I felt like lighter. I felt like, mm-hmm. you know, like sometimes you get a massage and you walk out and you feel like you're walking on like, you know, clouds. It was like that feeling, but it was extended. It was like, or like chiropr- if chiropractory were actually good for you and didn't uh, hurt your muscles in your neck, but go on. 
similar. Yeah. Like all these kinks had been worked out and I yeah. just felt very like at ease and, and it wasn't just the next morning. It was like for days and days and then weeks on end, I was like, wait a second. I just, you know, how, how did that work? Like I then wanted to know everything. I was like, cause I'm a kind of person that like when something's broke, I want to fix it or, you know, around the house. I mean, not, you know, people. And I always want to understand the kind of mechanisms behind things. And so I would say it was six months later, I did another one this time out in Joshua Tree with two friends. And this one was even more transformative than the first one, I think partly because I knew what to expect. And I was more easily able to give over to the process and let myself go. And I was much more free. And a lot of really dark things came up. And I think that was the experience that really helped me fully gain closure in my past relationship. And also just some certain, I was able to look at a lot of my past relationships and just kind of better understand what served me in those and then which ones no longer served me. And then I was also moving forward in a huge shift professionally with my company. And uh, this really gave me some tools to understand myself, become more self-aware and to be able to communicate my needs to those people, the, the people that I'm in business with. And so it was just completely life-changing. So this is all 2021. Mm. And then flash forward to top of 2022, I started kind of doing it either with other friends or on my own about every three months. I really started to kind of use this as a practice because uh, there was this great documentary on Netflix called Fantastic Fungi and I watched it and it there was this element of the documentary where they talk about how one of these psychedelic experiences is the equivalent of taking three months of antidepressant drugs. And I was just like, oh my God, that's what I felt. And I was like, if there's anything I can do to get off these meds I've been on that make me feel kind of like mood stable, but I don't feel like I'm flourishing, I will do it. Like my, my, my objective for myself was to not feel like I needed this thing to cope. And, and so I, I felt that I was on the path once I heard that and then just started like every three months and about three or four trips in, I started inviting people to kind of go along for the ride with me, but I would kind of take the lead and kind of, you know, guide them into what to do. Um, just because I knew that they would benefit in the ways that I had benefited. And so these are like the people that are closest to me in my life. And I just, each one of those experiences taught me something, you know, whether things went sideways and somebody had something negative that they communicated to me. Um, I figured out ways that I could adjust it. Um, the experience, the actual process of doing one of these experiences so that, you know, it would maximize the benefit for the other voyager like the other person taking the plant and and going on this ride and um i just kept doing it because it was just it was very organic it was something i really enjoyed i was learning a lot about myself i was learning a lot about my friends it was bringing me closer to these friends we were bonding because we were sharing in these kind of life events and uh, and also in the process of getting ready for it i would really get to know them you know and just in terms of the prep work uh, it was a great way to kind of deepen my connection with my my friends and also now make new friends because those friends have started to tell people because I think there are a lot of people out there that are very curious about this type of therapeutic work. And I, I think that we're on the 
we're standing kind of on the precipice of great change with this, you know, it's, it's, you know, in terms of access uh, there's many States, California included that are kind of leading the charge and the federal government as well is like, we've tried all this other stuff, you know, like we, we gotta like, this is working. We need to put in some standards and make it available and accessible to people. And so all of that has kind of led me to this idea that, you know, I can use the knowledge and the skill that I have to help people that I know, but also people I don't know. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, and, and just a little context, you know, I've been working in the entertainment industry for 20 years and I've been guiding people as a professional talent manager. And I've been so lucky to work with some of the top artists working today. And and I think that, you know, this kind of work to me isn't instead of that kind of work, it's in addition to, because I think that, you know, when you advocate for other people and you represent them, I see my job as, as kind of somebody who stands in front of them, kind of clearing the way for them to do their best work. And when I look at the psychedelic experience, it really is a tool that allows people to reach kind of greater heights. It's a tool that helps them expand their minds and gain greater capacities. And so it's another form of getting the stuff out of your way so that you can do your best work. So you can reach your greatest potential, no matter what it is you want to do. And so I'm kind of like, exactly. I had one of those, oh, damn moments where I was like, started connecting all these dots. I was like, oh, there's, there's these other tools out there that can help people. Well, it's funny you say about reaching your fullest potential, because when you would tell me about it, I didn't, you never even mentioned to me, hey, Eric, I think you would benefit. I just, the second I heard what would happen, I was like, well, I'm going to do that too. I need, I, because I know that my full scope of, living is hindered by my anxiety and by my self-doubt and all of those things so when you talked about this the the trips and and the way that the psychedelics have helped you i was like oh shit and so when i when we then when i brought it up to you and we talked about it and you said you know how you can guide through this experience in a personal way i didn't realize how personal it would feel because what you know we did was the first time was the person actually I met you through, we you guided the two of us through the trip. And I think that what I wanted to do, even not knowing what it would feel in an actual way, I just knew that I wanted to attempt to alleviate my anxiety or my imposter syndrome or my like constant fear of failure. And any even if it was 1%, I wanted to see if it would help. And that's what I was so so gooped and gagged to find during the first trip was like the i've never in my life had never in my life not felt anxiety before like my body was washed of it during the actual trip and of course it was the plant itself but like the way that you created a lighting playlist a song music playlist then you bring out the food at the perfect time and it's just like the amount of freedom i felt was cuckoo Kachu. I don't know if you remember, like, at one point we were sitting outside, and I think, um, obviously, A Star is Born was on the playlist, and um, it was the song Shallow. And at one point, Henry turns to me, he's like, Eric, you sing. And I felt... <laughs> 
listeners might be surprised that sometimes I feel a, a, a skosh of self-consciousness. But usually if someone's like sing, I'm like, no, I'd rather sit on a knife than like be put on the spot to sing something by force but i felt so safe and so free and so without shame and so grateful to be living on this fucked up earth i immediately belted my tits out for the next like three hours yeah. just did not stop and so i and you have a beautiful voice it was it just came and out that's of you. the most important part that's the most important part to recognize is how good it sounded it sounded amazing <laughs> We were living for it. We were a captive audience when that happened. Oh god! No, well, there were duets. There were. I mean, it was it was everything. But I, what I don't think I truly realized after doing it the second time, and just in general, like kind of like in a in like a bird's eye view, is I didn't realize how deep it would feel during the actual process. But then I didn't realize how much you would feel inspired to change in like the weeks after. Because I think what I did it with you for the second time, like two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. And I am having moments every day that I'm like writing shit down about what wires are being reworked in my brain with my anxiety. Because like, I talked about this on the pod that with Lexapro, I was at 20 milligrams. And I had read and you had talked to me about that, like the lower you can get on the SSRIs, the more of a, you know, deep experience you would have. And so I got down to 10 milligrams right before and I have stayed on 10 since. And it's not like I feel healed or cured of my anxiety, but I mm-hmm. I can tell that I'm already gaining these tools. And with the next one, you know, the, the goal will be to go to zero. And then because yeah. so, so my experience was on a different medicine and I kind of like cold turkeyed it. And it was too soon. Yeah. Like I all of a sudden, like some of this stuff started, you know, that I was, I was, I was coping with would come back. And then I kind of, you know, went back on and then, you know, did another trip. And then after that one went down to zero and it's been a year and a half, but I haven't used them and I haven't felt that way since. So how, how long did it take you after the second trip to go down to zero? Was it pretty? Oh, it wasn't after the second trip. I was still using them in between these different trips, but it was like when I decided to kind of be like, hey, let me see if I can fly without these. And I would say that it was about a year into the, you know, this kind of practice where I then felt safe enough, like, you know what, you got this, like you can, you can get through the day. You can get off your sofa, you can face the world and you can be, you know, um, a well-adjusted, happy human like that, you know, that that was a process. But like once I kind of got there, I was like, oh, mind blown. Like, I don't actually need those. It's, It's partly the like idea that I needed it, but it was also giving myself these new tools. Like you mentioned something which I think is a really key word in this process of like the rewiring of the brain. Yeah. Now, if you remember the the brain is like, we're, we're, this is serious business. Like we're dealing with the human mind. Like this is a yeah. powerful, powerful organism that we're instrument that we're working with here. And without getting it too into the weeds about the, the science, um, the different areas of the brain, join up, you know, think, you know, uh, Avengers assemble here in into what's called the default mode network. And those are the three key areas of the brain that when we're children and later young adults and into our, you know, kind of early adulthood are developed. And that's when the wiring takes place. And it's often through how we're raised by our families, our 
community, society, and then environmental, like that kind of wires us for all of these different um, issues that we're having to then cope with throughout our lives. So the fears, the anxieties, it just comes from that. And Mm -hmm. when you take a psychedelic and you're in the plants doing its job, it suspends the default mode network. So those areas of the brain are basically put into suspension. And so when those are completely all those inhibitions and you've suspended the area that controls your ego and your id and your superego, you then can reprogram it. And how you reprogram it is by telling it the things that you want and telling it the things that you don't want. So you're, you're going through this experience and you're going, you know what? I don't like feeling anxious. I don't want to feel yes. anxious. And I would like to get rid of that. It's not so much like, oh, this is what makes me feel anxious. It's more just like, yeah. I don't need that because that's getting in the way of the rest of my life. Well, I want to say something that I kept hearing this phrase during the second time, during the second trip with you. And I kept, and I wrote this down and I kept hearing, I don't need all the answers, which like for me was like, it's a simple statement, but it kind of like blew my fucking mind. I remember I was laying down. You have this, I mean, I hope any of my friends and listeners who are listening can be a part of Charles's backyard at some point in your in your time on this earth, because it's backyard. It's not only like a beautiful view of the mountains and we did it during the sunset, but there's this hammock that hangs underneath this beautiful big tree. And I remember staring up at the tree and I was, of course, fixated on the leaves and the branches sticking out. And I was like, is that real? Is that my brain? But then that sentence, you don't need all the answers, came out at me. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I found myself laying in the hammock and being like, God, I don't really feel like my head. I kind of want to move my head, but I don't want to like ruin the experience. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. I can move my fucking head. And even if it's not the right position, it doesn't matter because I can do it again. And so like I had another moment all in this like 20 minutes in this hammock just being like, I don't need to be safe. I don't need to know the outcome. And also to make anything good or even just to be a part of any creative process or life process, it doesn't have to be perfect right away. And so like all of these simple things, I felt the wires changing and it was a huge insight into why I have the anxiety, which of course is for me was around is around control. It's like if I can't control the outcome, I'm not safe. It's not going to be good. And then the idea of failure. Mm-hmm. And so like all of these things that you're talking about with like the suspension in your brain, it set the stage for simple recognitions of things that serve me versus don't serve me. You, you just said another key word, which is safety. So fear and thus anxiety, which is just the fear kind of being manifested, come from a sense of not feeling safe. And yeah. what this does that, you know, when you kind of let the plant take over uh, and when you allow that, you don't have to really allow it because it's going to do its job. And that's a part of yeah. that's a part of jumping off the cliff. But no, in, in part of my process is is ensuring that you know from the start you feel safe and mm. the, the the design of the experience is just to kind of amplify those feelings of safety like take you back to your childhood you know what are those favorite moments they're usually running around outside they're usually like playing with friends in your local neighborhood they're usually mm. certain sounds certain scents certain tastes it's like all designed 
I think, around creating the ultimate sense of safety so that you can deal with this other stuff. So when you feel yeah. safe and you feel comforted, it's like a giant hug. You yeah. then feel like, oh, I can go on. I feel loved. I feel safe. I can then do all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden, by having those feelings and inviting those feelings in, you can focus all that energy onto creating the greatest podcast on earth or whatever one's goals are, yeah. that energy is going somewhere. And if it's going towards something that isn't useful, then it's not going towards something that you want or you desire. Yes. And so it's just getting in the way of getting those things that you truly, truly want for yourself. But that's exactly how I have I felt for a long time. And I've never thought about it in that way. But it was that I, I have a lot of energy in my person. And I did feel like a lot of my energy was going through this process of just like refeeding into anxiety or refeeding into the thought like that I can't do x y and z or that I'm not capable and so I think that ever since I moved here ever since I've started the podcast it's been about placing energy into into people and creative endeavors that actually allow me and people around me to grow in like really gay ass gorgeous authentic ways and i think that the safety aspect is so key because you know as a gay person and what came up during my second trip was with you was like the need for validation that i'm on the right track or that i'm safe or that i'm okay because i think in a lot of ways growing up the world told me because i'm wrong my inclinations to do x y and z are wrong mm -hmm. or if I do them, you're going to be, you're going to, you're not going to be okay. Or they don't matter as much. Or they don't matter as much. And so you're like, less that's, than. Yeah. So like, that's, I'm like, that's what I'm trying to, trying to do with mm -hmm. where I'm at right now. And it's like, even personally with being present with Matt and with, you know, the other thing that came up for me was meeting people where they are. I mean, we, their relationships are so hard and I've talked about how, you know, Matt and I have such differences in ways that are, are why we're together. I mean, we were drawn together because of the way we complement each other. But I have to meet him or he is, whether that is socially or career or whatever it is. And, and he with me at the same is the same way. And, and also, you know, we had a great talk about this podcast and about what I want to do and why I can't limit myself. And so I'm I'm excited and very beautifully surprised by the fact that I got to meet you and then have this conversation on a gay ass podcast. Like who I never would have thought that I would meet a friend at a gay bar and then 10 months later be talking about the psychedelic trick that trip that you guided me on uh, with incredible big treats. I didn't ever expect that either. And I just want to say I'm grateful for having met you and for being here. This is my first time being on a podcast. So, you know, long time listener, first time caller, but here we are. And uh, I'm thrilled to be here and very grateful for the opportunity. But I, I didn't, I didn't see this being part of my journey either. It was yeah. something that I think found me. And I think in a way, when you find something that allows you to pull together all of your different interests and yeah. passions and build this new thing with those things and mm -hmm. and also use that as a 
tool for good, like as a, as a thing that can help people. I'm like, why not? Like, why would I not do this? And you're the one that said to me, it's like, oh, I think you're on to something here. I think you're really on to something. And that really, you know, it sent my brain spinning and be like, what if I am onto something, you know, yes, I'm not the first person to do this, but you know, the way in which I do it, I think is particularly well-suited for creative people, for business people, and every single letter of our rainbow, you know, like, I think that people that have the specific needs that we have, you know, I think there's an interesting cross section there that, you know, maybe this is a part of, you know, my purpose and and something that I can use for, you know, in my own little way of doing good. I think that is so spot on. And speaking of the gorgeous rainbow, Charles, you're not going to come on That's a Gay Ass podcast without answering the famous podcast question. So talk to me, my handsome, gorgeous friend. Charles, whose fault is it that you're gay? Who do we blame, babe? You know, I love this question because we talk about this question all the time. Um, and to me, it's not anyone's fault, but it's just the moment when I think I realized, oh, oh, shit. I like guys. Like, I really like mm. them. And mm. uh, it was I was in junior high school and there was this older boy named Chris and <laughs> were you about to say his last name i'm not He's gonna i'm not going to say his last name i don't think you should but i thought i saw your lips curve into like chris kirkpatrick <laughs> <laughs> no um but uh who's interesting one because he was physically attractive um mm-hmm. he's a few years older than me and it was that time where i was like wanting to go to like a high school party and he was just like and, and we, I played sports and he played sports. So, you know, got to have that in common and he would let me tag along. And so I kind of was like, oh, there's this older, cute guy that I'm really attracted to that would kind of invite me to come along to the parties or like go out with him and his friends. And you were fully like in eighth grade when this is happening? I think I was in seventh grade. And how old do you think, do you remember Chris being? He was either in ninth or 10th grade. So he was close oh. enough in age that we related. He wasn't a senior, but it, yeah. he, it was somebody that um, in my school is one of the schools where the junior high and the high school were in the same building, but just had like a different gotcha. wing. So you would cross yeah. through the lunchroom was the center. So you would always cross through. And I just, it was, I think it was the first time I felt obsession. Like I was just like, I just wanted to be around this person all the Mm -hmm. time because i felt seen and yes i was like physically attracted to him but this was a very small town in the middle of nowhere in new york and you know and in the 90s so i'm dating myself here but uh it wasn't like it wasn't like i was in love with him i was just like oh he he sees me as a human being i feel seen and it made and, and it was the first time I started to feel sexual. It's also like I think it sounds like something that I think I unfortunately had these feelings for a guy that uh, didn't deserve them. But I the infatuation. I mean, it, it's it, the depth of infatuation that like, yeah, you feel through every fiber of your being. So I never acted upon mine because it would not have been a good idea to but i need to know charles i've never heard the story did what what happened with chris did did, did you ever tell him about your feelings 
I didn't tell him explicitly, but I think it was one of these things that was understood. But um, yeah, we weirdly this is like how like universe aligning shit, you know, like where the universe presents opportunities. And we kind of after high school, uh, he obviously graduated before me, went off to college. We lost touch. Um, he went away. I forget where to, um, I knew he ended up in the Bay area for a while. This is from the East coast. I, you know, ended up, uh, I was in New York city for a long time and ended up here in, uh, Los Angeles the past 10 years. And I was also close with this older brother who, um, I want to say is maybe five years older than me. And, you know, sadly passed away last year, kind of suddenly. And Chris and he was living in Los Angeles and and Chris came out for the service and we saw each other for the first time there after 20 years and reconnected and uh, 20 plus years. I mean, I can't even do the math, probably 25 years and had a really good reconnect and, you know, ended up talking for, I don't know, 10 hours, you know, like it was like a deep, like, you know, connection. Um, and just, you know, uh, he's straight married kids, but there's, yeah. there's definitely like a spiritual connection there. Um, and there's history. Um, yeah. and what's interesting is when I think about him and your question, who made you gay, I think about the guys that kind of came later, you know, like when I started, like, you know, I had my first, you know, hookup, uh, you know, and then, then I started, you know, to take interest in, in men, like, like specifically, you know, pursuing people, they always kind of sort of looked like him. Like they, course, they, uh, <laughs> they always. And at one point, you're like, "Yeah, you like that, Chris?" And I'm like, "My name's Alan." <laughs> you know, I the, mean, Alan, Alan. Yeah. I'm an Alan. Yeah. So I still have. Um, he's like, uh, at the time was like this kind of like strawberry blondish, like maybe mm-hmm. like you know almost on the ginger spot, you know, uh, line ginger spectrum, like almost ginger. And and uh, and I, I have such a soft spot for those those guys with that complexion Whoa. and that that hair color like even to this day i get it just is a certain you know just i have a, i have noticed that in you yeah. i have noticed if, if ever i'm like there's a sweet man maybe with a light eye and a slight ginger quality i think to myself charles is gonna like that. and it's not absolute it's it's not like no. you know every like you know i have a very wide-ranging uh interest or, or types but um i'm very grateful for him uh he was he was we a good person Chris. who you know and i think part of the you know infatuation came from him just treating me with kindness it was like somebody who really you know showed oh. me a lot of kindness and maybe in a time when i really needed it you know and and well that that good. is that is very important to note because i think that i too whoa i'm realizing that my infatuation also went towards a straight man who gave me the time of day but not only like but like made me feel special mm-hmm. and i think that when you're a young gay guy a lot of the other guys are not being nice to you in that way i mean from from my experience that's what it was yeah. it's not that i was constantly bullied within an inch of my life every day but it was that i was either friends with the girls or if this guy were to give me respect or even we would laugh or sing things he my my person was my guy was like a guitar playing you know love john mayer that's the vibe we're rolling uh, sexy so i i mean unfortunately yeah but also i would like <laughs> harmonize with him to the song neon you know like i like I, and i was like it's all happening and of course he ended up being not <laughs> not what i would want or would ultimately get 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, with that being said, Charles, we got to get into a question that, as I've you know, felt like we have this deep connection, and, and, I, and I said this to you, and I want to say it on a recorded episode, is that I feel like I've known you for a long fucking time. Like, there's a, such a comfortability I have with you. And like, I said this to you during my first experience with the, the psychedels of just like, we get each other, we see each other, we know each other. But I don't think I know when you came out because you said you played sports, which is already like a flag into how we are different. Was it a big shock to either your family members or the people around you? Like, what was the reaction when you were like, this is me standing in my gay ass truth? Um, I don't think it was a huge shock because I was always um, I was always a very independent person, even as mm-hmm. a child. And in high school, I was very like, you know, I, I always kind of did my own thing, but I kind of was able to some and I think this is a part of you know, what uh, being gay means for a lot of people is it forces you to adapt. And I was very adaptable. I could kind of fit into, uh, I was very good um, at making myself fit in however possible. And I worked really, really hard at it, um, whether it be academically or, you know, athletically. And I, I worked really, really hard to blend, maybe not always for better, you know, sometimes for worse. But when I graduated high school, decided to go to college, decided to go to art school. And I think that was a big tell for, for people. Um, cause I was really focused on painting and drawing and I was very creative and very artistic and everybody was like, no, you should be like your brothers and, you know, go to, you know, a proper college and study something academic. And, and I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go in this other direction and, and I want to work in the movies and I want to do these other things. And 
in my freshman year of college, I was very young when I went to college because I, I went to, uh, I left high school early and I um, graduated early and then went, you, I went, um, I, I skipped my junior year of high school. So I went, you did. Yeah. Cause I was, I was, well, this is much to my parents' credit. They recognized that I was very like, kind of like I, I was further isolating myself in high school and I was very depressed. And so they saw that I needed something. And I think they saw it. And what was really going on is I was thinking I was starting to really deal with my sexuality and not really fitting into yeah. this like small town, uh, rural place that I was living. And so they saw the possibility for me to go to college early just because I did well academically. So yeah. I was only 17 when I started college. And so I came out my freshman year of college and had my first gay experience, sexual experience in college. Wow. And then freshman year, as this is another tell, but I was uh, living in Orlando or I was living in Sarasota where I was going to art college. And I got hired by Disney to play a very famous character, like face char- one of the face characters. And so all of a super gay. And so that was my part-time job while I was in college. Is every Wait, are you not gonna say the face character? Is that like a well, legal it's, thing? It's like a thing Disney like frowns upon. You I'm know, you're, you're supposed Once to be a Disney face character, always a Disney face character. So yeah. sorry, you're friends, you're friends with I'm them, friends right? with, right? Exactly. You know the you know the score. Um listen, as a gay person, I've had many people do the Disney cruises. Yeah, and they yeah, yeah. friends of blank blank blank. Yeah. So um he's you know, he he's got a very uh he's got a he's got a best friend with a very big blue personality so you can figure it out um and so that was my part-time job and so that was i have to say working in the theme parks Mm -hmm. for disney was one of the most amazing places to discover yourself as a gay person because everybody there is gay every every worker is 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 on (laughs) The rainbow spectrum and it was it was amazing because it was like i was discovering myself but i all of a sudden had all these role models all of these people that had come before me who kind of teach me where to go and you know kind of how to interact with other gay people i didn't really have that so i kind of found that between art school and working at disney and it was kind of an amazing and you could travel around really easily because you were flying through the air <laughs> on a magical ride uh and here we are doing magical rides all these years later in a whole <laughs> circle an, another a, in a whole other way um so yeah that was my so that was kind of like my coming out experience but in terms of my family and my parents um it was a little bumpy because um i didn't get to explicitly tell my parents someone you know else in my family told my parents and then my parents asked me about it um, and had a very, you know, I grew up Catholic, so they had very kind of like, we love you no matter what, don't ask, don't tell kind of vibe. But it wasn't like they were very loving and and they yeah. they are very loving. But it was, I was definitely treated differently than my straight siblings. I have three brothers, two of them are straight. Uh, one is is also gay. And, and it, you know, they just never asked me, you know, are you dating anybody or, you know, how are you? It was very much like okay, be careful out there. Like it was like, yeah. and they didn't really, I don't know. I don't fault them for it. I just don't know that they they had the tools, you know, in, well, in their own upbringings. Yeah. Like you're saying that you're in this like small rural area in New York. You've now this four boys, which I love that we both have three brothers. I mean, you, there's now two of you that are gay. The fact that I think that your family 
and your parents did what they did with you know you going to college early and with that being the response like you know, I, I never want us to think as gay people, it's like, well, at least they didn't do X, Y, and Z. But it is, we have to, I think, give mm-hmm. grace to the people who have a lot of learning to do, and then they do it. And so I, I you know, I think that's a really relatable uh, journey, which is just kind of give our our families and the people around us the time to, to come to us. Um, but I do want to ask, if we are getting, speaking of the magic journeys, the voyages, if let's say someone listening to this would like to do this in general with you or otherwise, what 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 do you think they should expect in terms of the actual process? Well, there's a lot of people. I wouldn't say a lot. There, as this is becoming more talked about and more common, um, I think some people are just kind of like chomping down on the plant and just seeing what happens without yeah. the guidance. So I would first recommend anybody who's curious is to start by either going online or finding people like myself that they can reach out to and they can talk to about what to expect and then approach it with a guide and with somebody who can at the very least be there for you you know as a trip sitter um, mm-hmm. is what is is what some people will do just to you know help you with anything you might need logistically uh, so that's kind of like the bare minimum and there's a lot of stuff online now you can just like do a quick goog and and you'll find all sorts of um you know uh processes and things in, in terms of setting yourself up but in terms of my specific process and kind of what i you use the word curate what i've kind of created and curated is this kind of like ultimate experience in my opinion where It starts, you know, with us having a conversation and just kind of getting to know each other, creating kind of a baseline. You know, if you work with a therapist, kind of talking to them about wanting to do this and getting their kind of like clearance and then coming up with a plan by setting a date and then working backwards. The date is kind of the anchor and then everything, you know, in terms of getting ready comes before. So like we did. I ask a lot of questions. They're not necessarily questions that you need to answer back to me, but they're just questions that are there for you to set your intentions. They will draw out whatever it is that you're processing in your life. What are those priorities? What are those relationships you want to focus on? What are those things in your life that no longer serve you that you want to let go of? It really helps you clarify what those things are so that when you do go into the experience, you can connect the dots on your own. You know, this is a, like I said before, this is serious business. This is like, you know, we're dealing with the spirit. We're dealing with the metaphysical, the metaphysical being the non-physical, you know, the, so you've got the mind, you've got the body, and then you've got the spirit. This is a spiritual practice that helps you connect all of those areas in your life, the mind, the body, and the spirit, and, and hopefully align them. Cause I think a lot yeah. of us feel like all of that is just out of whack and we're living in complete and utter chaos. And so my, my approach is like to alleviate the chaos. And so that you can kind of start a process to bring all of those aspects of your life into alignment. And so we do a few weeks of questions and getting ready. You make a playlist, which is super fun. Um, you know, it's about a three to four hour selection of some of your favorite music, but that's not, 
necessarily exactly what you listen to during the experience. I work with a playlist that was developed by Johns Hopkins University, where they actually measured brainwaves of the people that they were working with. And they were working with all the different forms of psychedelics, not just psilocybin. So you've got um, MDMA, you've got LSD, also known as acid, you've got um, ayahuasca, you've got ketamine. So all of these do different things to varying degrees. In that process, the music kind of just helps open up the mind so that you can kind of have the greatest possible benefits throughout the experience. Um, and then, so so I work with your playlist. I combine it into um, this kind of master playlist that I work with to kind of create this overall experience. Um, and then the actual day of arrives, the date that one picked happen. It's, it's here, you know, you're nervous, you're going to the airport, you're about to, you know, go on a, the flight of a lifetime. And it's basically just that it's a flight. So, you know, there's, there's a, there's a kind of ceremonial moment where we have a little ceremony together where we pick out the plant and you take off and, you know, you're on your journey and and it really is a solo journey and i'm simply there to kind of look out and kind of guide not teach anything you know the plant does all the work that you know and and you do the work your mind and your body kind of takes care of you and then you know you land and we have some beautiful snacks and that's also part of the curated experience and you know it's an indoor outdoor experience usually you know for the peak where you're really like up and you're flying as they say uh usually lying down or you're sitting in a chair and you know mostly with your eyes closed or sometimes you're staring at like a single thing like you were staring at that tree for a very long time and that allows you to really focus and not be distracted so that you can really focus on those thoughts and have those breakthroughs. And so um, the space, the setting, as they call it, um, that I've designed is really created to maximize that experience. So that's a part of it, you know, where everything gives back to you, the the sense and the visuals and everything really do. It's also intentional, it seems. It's very intentional. It's it's kind of, it's a little bit of stagecraft in terms of, you know, doing this and being able to kind of repeat the process for people. Uh, and then, you know, after you land, we, we debrief and, you know, some people want to sleep in their own bed. And so they have a friend or a family member pick them up and take them home. Um, no one should drive after this, at least for six to eight hours following, or you get an Uber or stay in the guest room. And then the next morning we debrief a little bit, do a little aftercare, talk about the experience and start talking about the integration, which is taking everything, those thoughts and feelings and everything that came up and and coming up with ways to kind of really bring them into your everyday life in terms of how you speak and behave. And, and that's on you. You'll figure that out. But, you know, the integration is just taking all that and just starting to implement it into your life and, and journaling, which you mentioned. And that's yeah. a huge piece of it. What the journaling does, and I recommend this for everybody, is it allows you to kind of cement those thoughts and ideas into your your mind. That's a part of the rewiring process is you're taking all this new information and you're programming it. And it's not to go back and read your journal. It's not about writing prose or like, you know, the, the next great American novel. It's simply about 
getting all of that information down onto paper to really kind of memorialize it. Um, and then I follow up with people, you know, I just, you know, check in with them daily and, and just, you know, through texts and just to kind of see how they're doing and, you know, see, see what new things have come up because it's not just that one experience. Like you mentioned, things will come up a week later, all of a sudden you'll connect different things two weeks later, you know, about some family member from their, your past. And all of a sudden some behavior that you have, you'd be like, oh my God, now I get it. You know, like those, those moments keep happening. And then more often than not, people want to do it a second time and beyond. And each one is different because it teaches us something different, but I, I recommend no less than three months between these experiences, just because it's a lot of information to um, receive and process yeah. all at once. I did feel that. I did feel the like the bit of the overwhelm, but also like even talking about it right now, I'm like, God, I'm excited to do it again. But I do think that it is a lot to process, and and you, it's you know again, it's it's very it's, it's you're we can't change others. We can only change ourselves, and yeah. and this is a part of that process right of, of working on the things that we want to change and change isn't overnight it's incremental this is yeah. this is a, a supercharger this is an accelerator this is three months of those medications it's, it's a year of your talk therapy in one night think about that yeah. like it's like you've just overloaded the circuitry but you've also just opened your mind up and have all of this new storage space. So there's also a lot more bandwidth, as people like to say, to put in new information. So you you have this 100 terabyte hard drive or however much, this infinite hard drive upstairs, and you're only using one little corner of it. And now all of a sudden you've opened up more and more and more and more and more and more and more storage space because you're dumping out all this other stuff that was just cluttering up the works. And so now, you get all of that to use in all these other areas of your life, in your relationships, in your professional life, in your just your physiological life. Like, you know, yeah. you want to start going to the gym more and you just really need, you know, it's, it's ways to really truly like just change the mind, you know, and, and that's, that's one of the great books is Michael Pollan's how to change your mind. And there's a lot of other great books that talk about a lot of the stuff I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not reinventing a wheel. I think the only thing I'm doing is the curated experience that I've done because it's one-on-one, -on -one, um, yep. you know, and it's it's each experience is kind of, it's very LA, but it's very like custom made for the Voyager and, and the person going on the journey. Um, Maybe it's all LA and I'm so fucking here for it. I just, I, I told a friend, I told a friend about this in New York and she is so happy for me. And she's like, it's, it's definitely like the LA dream. And I say, yeah, it's like, it, and of course it transcends Los Angeles, but there's something about like the connecting with your purpose and your potential. And I have felt, even though I'm still early in my journey, I feel like there's more space in my brain to like do things without as much of the noise of the anxiety and the self-doubt. And that's why I'm like Jones in to continue to journal, to continue to do this. And, um, it's definitely reinvigorated me. Like, you know, I've been doing what I do for over 20 years and it's a long yeah. time to do one job, one career, one profession, but I love it. And in this practice has managed to re-energize me and to make me feel more excited about what I do, 
mm. more creative. It's it's really powerful. And um, and so I think where I'm coming from is sharing that with people. And while you know the experience in the process we're talking about is very LA, you know, I invite anybody who is interested or curious um, to reach out. And I have friends who I'm still kind of in the uh, friends and family phases. I open this up to people that I don't know, but mm-hmm. we'll hopefully get to know through this process. And it's it's for anyone, you know, like everyone has a, any anyone who goes on a trip like this is approaching it for a different reason mm-hmm. or a different combination of reasons. So it isn't one size fits all. And I'm very interested in that like customization because I think if you try to one size fits all the experience without the proper support, then I think people can, like you say, feel unsafe or have a negative experience and and it, it may you know not help them. It may make them feel worse than when they went into it. And I and I'm right. I, I it's it's too important and too, I think, spiritual to to treat it lightly like that. I think that's so beautifully said. And while it is a bit of a pivot, I do need to talk about something else beautiful, which is our second podcast question. Charles, answer me this. If the world was ending and you could only save one character actress, who would you save? I love this question so much. Um, It's easy for me. It's Frances McDormand. (gasps) And I'll tell you why. She holds a special place in my heart, and I won't get into that. However, if you look at all the work that she has done, and you think about all of the kind of powerful women in your life, whether they be a parent, an aunt, a teacher, there's kind of an inherent spirituality that Mm -hmm. women have in terms Mm -hmm. of taking care of others and taking care of the world around them. And if you actually, if you look at the characters that she's chosen to play, they're all showing women who aren't the stereotype of what we see women to be on screen. They are, they are the everyday person and she's formidable. Like they're just like badass after badass after badass, just going through extraordinary circumstances. Yes. And in a way, I think, you know, she kind of has a superpower for playing those characters and inhabiting them to make them feel so real. And there's there's nothing I've ever seen or heard that didn't make me feel that way. It's such a gorgeous answer because the the question is born out of our love for powerful women. And it's born out of our deep, deep adoration, respect, and love for the women who just see us and then make the world a better, more gorgeous place. And by the way, Frances McDormand, when you look at her filmography... It's frustrating how many amazing movies she's been in, but it's also frustrating like how I can never be someone that gives less of a fuck than she does when she attends an award ceremony. Mm-hmm. Also, this is going to be a weird question. Did she Does she have an apartment in New York close to the East Village? No. <laughs> then I'm thinking about another Oscar-winning actress that lived close to where I live freshman year, and that's... Um, Julianne Moore. <laughs> oh, it wasn't her, but love Jules. Um... 
Charles, what a stunning answer. Before we move on to the, the final question and end this up, um, this is a tough question for you, and I'm sorry to put you in this position, but if you could only watch one Francis McDormand film ever again, what would be the Francis McDormand film you would choose? Oh, that is a great, great question. Um, you know, I would, st- it's probably three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And the reason yeah. why is I feel like it was also like a personal and professional transition in her life, you know, in terms of making the kind of works that she wants to make. And I feel like that was, that was the, late in life pivot. She'd always been doing this amazing work all the way from the beginning with things like Blood Simple and some of the early Coen Brothers movies, um, you know, and she's she's done everything from the heavy dramas to the action movies like City of the Sea, uh, City by the Sea with, with De Niro. And then she's got things like um, Burn After Reading, like high comedy, like with the, the Coens, like there, there's all, there's such a range, but I feel like that movie, Ebbing, Missouri really was like, it was like a there's a reason why she won the oscar like it was like a yeah. it was a, it was a gauntlet you know thrown in the middle of the ocean and, and and it was just all these other kinds of things were being made and all of a sudden we're making a movie about taking back the power and and they did that before the me too movement you know mm. bef- before some of these things the, the social change was starting to happen but i feel like in in the in that way she plays that I, I could watch that movie over and over and over and over again. But there's so many good ones, like it's impossible. Like every it's just You can't you can't second guess Charles. You already gave no, no. an answer. And I and There I, you go. I, Sorry it was so long, it wasn't succinct. I'm not good at succinct. You're perfect the way you are. And Charles, you can prove that perfection. <laughs> oh no. Even though you've already <laughs> even though you've already warned me of this. <laughs> to end the episode, Charles. <laughs> What is the best Whoopi Goldberg film? And remember, I just called you perfect. Um, you're not going to like my answer because she's not a nun in this. But um, <gasps> boys on the side. Hold for silence. Hold for taking in. Hold for me having to shelve Dolores Van Cartier. Charles, why? Because, again, it's about a woman who is kind of down and out. And I've never seen it. Okay, I've I've never seen it. How is it possible that there's a Whoopi Goldberg movie you haven't seen? All right, but before I go into the why of Boot Boys on the side, please have you, have you seen Jumpin' Jack Flash? Yes. Okay. And a good. lot of people have given that answer, and we love. But I've okay. never seen Boys on the Side. Okay. So it's her, Mary Louise Parker, and um, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. So they, it, it's a road trip movie. They all kind of need each other. They all kind of find each other, and they go on this road trip movie. And really, it's if you think about it. As a gay person, being gay is often about reinventing what family means. It's about, you know, friends become the family we choose. Yeah. And that to me is the theme. And it came at that time when they were making movies like Fried Green Tomatoes and Thelma and Louise. And there's even a line in it that Whoopi has that I'm not driving over a cliff with you all. Like it, it's it's referencing the movies of the time. Mm-hmm. And they, again, were these amazing movies that were driven by women. Literally, they were driving. Literally. <laughs> and, and, and they become this like, they all kind of grow and heal through this like unlikely, they didn't know each other going into this experience. And so they all kind of come together 
um, through this crazy set of circumstances and go on a road trip. And it's it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, the movie opens with her singing Janis Joplin, Peace of My uh, Heart. Like that's the opening mm. scene is Whoopi in a dive Charles, bar. So Charles, that is my you pick. You don't have to sell it anymore. You don't have to sell it anymore because I didn't realize it was a road trip Com is a road trip film starring Mary Louise Parker, Drew Barrymore, and Whoopi. I mean, and and I think Dermot Mulroney is like, you know, oh my he god, plays, are you like, kidding he me? He's like the the trashy, like abusive boyfriend to Drew Barrymore. Oh who, shit! Yeah, it's it's well. There's uh, no one that my mother and I both want to sleep with more than Dermot Mulroney. There's something weirdly bonding about that man between me and my my mère and um, Charles. Boys on the side, I will be watching and I will be reporting back. Thank you so much for coming on That's a Gay Ass Podcast. And the, the most important question is, Charles, if people want to follow you or, or slip into your DMs, where can they do that? Instagram at C-M-N-Y-M-A-C. C-M-N-Y Mac. C-M-N-Y Mac. And I will see you... <laughs> NYC baby um Charles I adore you you're a star and to infinity and beyond thank you thank you thank you keep up the good work love you, adore you. bye catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 